Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, DeWitt, and I hope that you are doing well this week. And if you live in an area that's been impacted by really what winter's been throwing at us, which I feel like is almost everybody, at least here in the United States, I hope that you and your family have been safe. Today's episode, it's the first installment of our annual State of the Franchise series where we begin laying out the blueprint for the offseason head by starting really with an audit of the current state of every single position on this Bears team. Join with me is my co-host Nicholas Moriano. Nick, it's great to see you again. It's been you know a long time. I miss you. I'm glad that we get to come on, reconnect virtually. How have you been? I know you've also started uh, a new gig with an internship covering high school basketball. I've been seeing a few of those updates come across my timelines. I haven't been on social media too much lately, but when I do, I see your face and you're covering basketball. How's that going? It's going really well, Will. It's I'm covering the school that I actually work at, at Glenbrook South, so that's been really cool. I know a lot of the kids, so just, look, high school basketball is tough to cover. Like, these kids are going back and down the court, you're like, was that number 12 who scored? Like, there's so much going on, but it's been really good experience. It's been keeping me busy, and like you were just mentioned with the weather, everyone's getting hit with this stuff, so it's nice to just get my mind distracted with something else and just staying busy, honestly, but I know you've been doing the same. Have you covered basketball before? I've done it a couple of times where I was just taking stats and I didn't write a recap afterwards, but now I'm doing all that and I'm just uh, using, so I used to do just pen and paper, but using the good old Samsung tablet, using some technology in there, writing recaps. So this is, I, I would say a full kind of reporting gig, which has been really cool. Yeah, it's actually, I kind of miss covering basketball myself when I was covering IU here for a couple of seasons, going in person, doing the press conferences, maybe something to, for me to look back into again. But you're right, basketball is a whole different animal than football because it's nonstop. You got to keep tracking for high school too, man. I can see it because you don't know these kids' names. I know you work in the school, but it's a big school, right? Yeah, big school. And I mean, with the pandemics, like you forget some of the kids that you see, like I only see them every, you know, now and then. So yeah, but now I'm getting reacquainted with everybody. It's when the visiting team comes like, and you know, with high school rosters are never up to date usually. So you're like number 12, there's like three number 12s. Who the heck just scored? Now, how do I figure this out? (laughs) So that's, that's usually been my uh, dilemma there when I'm trying to figure things out. All right. Well, I'm excited to get back to Chicago Bears football, discussing it with you. I know the offseason is really, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of already sick of all this quarterback hoopla. I'm glad that Carson Wentz isn't a Chicago Bear. I'm glad I don't have to see the news 
uh, every day popping up on my phone. The Bears are the front runner. They're out of the race. They're they're oh they're back in the position to go get them. I'm I'm glad that's behind us. Now obviously that doesn't mean quarterback X is going to fill that role and kind of dominate the news cycle. But that's what I love about our show, because I know we kind of discuss some of these rumors, but really we focus on what we know, who's on this team. And right now we're going to start kind of planning on how to make this squad a little bit more successful here in 2021. So just in case you're new to us this year, here's a heads up of what our stay of the franchise episodes, what they're all about. We're going to go and break down each position. And usually we do two episodes, offense and defense. We're going to break it up just a little bit more this year. And today we're going to start an offense and we're going to begin by looking at the Bears quarterbacks, running backs, and the entire offensive line. We're going to explain the current state of each. I have three major talking points that I have for each and every position and unit. We're going to also share our current confidence level for the position. We'll play our annual game of pass or play to determine which in-house free agents to receive a new contract in Chicago, which one should be shown the door, per se. And we'll also share which players are at maybe a risk of being cut, even though they're under contract right now for 2021. Maybe they won't make it here this season. So in short, starting now and for our next few episodes, we'll analyze each position, explain where they currently stand, share some ways that they can be better next season, all while laying the foundation for the changes that the team should look to make this offseason. Now, Nick, before we start, I want to share a quick message from our friends over at Manscaped. Who you know, they're simply the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped, they're trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Not just the two men here on this show, but two million men around the world. Manscaped, they've created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. You can now feel confident shaving your boys. Now listen up, because our code, it actually has changed. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code FANSIDED20, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-20. So Nick, going from one of the best in the biz to one of the worst, let's get things started to put the Chicago Bears offense underneath the microscope. Are you ready? I think so, Will. Let's, let's, we have to do this, so let's go ahead and get right into it, unfortunately. All right. Well, this is a unit that finished the 2020 season, 28th in yards per game, which is up one compared to the year ago. 23rd in points per game, which actually was a plus six. 22nd in passing, plus four. 27th in rushing in the NFL, which actually is the same as the 2019 season. Dead last in third down, that was a minus seven. And 22nd in red zone efficiency, which actually was a little bit better, a plus two compared to the prior season. So to kick off our positional analysis, let's go ahead and begin discussing that Chicago Bears offensive line. And I want to start with the inside and kind of work our way out. So looking at center, we started the season with Cody White here at the position, but due to injuries and overall really just lack of performance, things had to change. Enter Sam Mustafer or Mustafer, right? Mustafer. Oh, I don't know why I got confused on that one then. It's been some time, Nick. So Mustafer, who was an undrafted free agent in 2019, 
started seven games after actually just beginning the season on the practice squad. According to PFF, he only allowed one sack and 10 total pressures on the year. There were moments when he played well, but there were also times where he obviously struggled. But when I think about the impact that he made after entering that starting lineup, I can summarize it in one word. And I don't think it's just on him, but the timing is a little coincidental. It's stable, stability. So, Nick, when you look at Mustafer's performance, I'm curious what you think the plan should be for this offseason. If you were in charge, are you eyeing him as your center in 2021? Do you even consider putting white hair back there? Or maybe is center, in your eyes, a true need this offseason? It's a real interesting situation, and I think really you could go a few different paths here. But as it stands right now, just midway through February, what would you do at this position? I think as of right now, you're looking at Sam Mustafer. I think it's just a placeholder. He does, he did, as an undrafted free agent to come in and play, I would say pretty admirably for, for what he did at the center position and take over for a guy, you know, Cody Whitehair, who's obviously been in the league. I thought he did a pretty decent job. Now, was he the best center that the Bears have seen? No, but he did his job. And like you just gave the stats, Will, giving up only 13 pressures and one sack. And he had some decent games. Uh, against Green Bay when the second time or this would be the second time against Green Bay where there's a lot of guys that actually had pretty bad games I thought Sam Mustafer had a pretty decent one in that week 17 matchup against the Green Bay Packers especially in pass protection but where I think he is limited and you know he's still young is really where he's at in terms of play strength and being able to move guys off the block and kind of move them backwards instead of being pushed you know back towards the pocket pack back towards the quarterback that's where his, I think, deficiency is. But right now you look at as a placeholder, but if you're Ryan Pace, you're, you're Matt Nagy, you're the Bears coaching staff, you're you're definitely looking to see what's out there. And if, if it works in the draft in terms of best player available and there's a center there, yeah, I think the Bears will look into considering upgrading the position. But you got to also see how is Sam Musfer going to develop from you know this right. year to the next, right? Because getting thrown in there, not anticipating he would play, but... Like I said, does a pretty decent job when he was asked to do, you know, what the Bears are running there. So placeholder, but I think the Bears are obviously going to be looking to see if they can upgrade it as well. Yeah, it's a like I said, interesting is the word that I would describe this situation because I think again when he was inserted in the lineup, things got better. But I think you could also make the argument that's because if Fetty got kicked out to tackle uh, instead of playing guard. He also had White here back in the lineup playing guard as well, so he was surrounded by some good talent. He had his Buddy Alex Barris next to him as well, which they have some real good chemistry stemming back to their days at Notre Dame. It's just, to me, it's how much do the Bears believe he can grow this offseason? And if they do have high hopes, if you know Juan Castillo believes in Mustafer and that he can take that next step this offseason, I would say he's in play for the starting job. I don't think he should be a lock. That could be a mistake. I think there's one point of the season after a couple of games stretch where he was playing really well. I was like, you know what? Make him your starting center in 2021. Well, after some time to reflect, competition's a great thing on every roster, and the Bears would be wise to find some here at this position as well. So I'd, like you, Nick, it's one where I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up starting. He, I think he should at least have a, you know, a shot at the job. Um, but the Bears should look either in free agency or the draft. Uh, in free agency, it's not going to be a big splash at the position, um, but it could be a serviceable veteran as well to kind of get thrown into the mix. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out, but it is a position that uh, we have some other ones I think have some bigger red flags about uh, throughout the entirety of this show. 
So let's go ahead and take a moment to discuss the situation over at guard. James Daniels, he had a good start to the season after putting some additional weight and muscle last offseason, but his year ended after that pectoral injury suffered in week five. Jermaine Effetti played most of the season at right guard, but he did end the year at right tackle. Alex Bars started a handful of games at guard, and so did Cody White here, as we mentioned. The fact that I'm rambling off players here, Nick, I think just is a good reminder of the turmoil that this unit faced in 2020. But I'm curious to your thoughts on what may be best case scenario for week one, 2021. I can't help but think it's white hair and Daniels, uh, which is real funny just looking at my notes from last year's state of the franchise, right? All right, who's going to center and who's going to stick at center? And now I'm like, nah, let's just keep them both at guard. Uh, and honestly, we'll see uh, how it all plays out. But I'm curious what your best case scenario. And if you're in the same lines as I am, and I think the majority of Bears fans are having those two be your guards, does it matter which one plays on which side? Because I think they should decide that sooner rather than later. So that way they can start building some chemistry and really some muscle memory for the position that the Bears envision them playing. I don't think it's you know a huge factor, but... Anytime you can kind of get settled sooner, it's going to have a positive impact. I agree with that. I think for Cody Whitehair's sake, this man is switching positions every single time we're doing a State of the Franchise series. Well, it really does seem that way. But, you know, I think ideally, let's keep Cody Whitehair to this position, the side that he was. He ended the 2020 NFL season on that left guard, move James Daniels to the right guard position. I think that's where you see the most out of them. When I was just watching James Daniels in the earlier on in the season, Again, even though he did put on that extra weight, I thought at times, like, why is he not using that to his advantage to move people back? So I think that's going to be the thing that he still needs to work on, play strength. But the other thing, that what I really liked about him, and it was the last play against the New York Giants, Well, he gets beat, James Daniels, but he's able to recover, get his man out of the way, and then he picks up the second looping defender. Well, that's what James Daniels has always been good with, the ability to move out in space, find the, the guy he's supposed to block, and then move them. So... I like that uh, ability to do that at the right guard position. And same thing for Cody Whitehair. Just get him out in space, get to that second level. And then again, we were just talking about the center. So whoever they eventually get to play there, you'll get the most out of Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. I think if you have them at the guard positions, left guard for Cody Whitehair, right guard for James Daniels. I think I'm going to go opposite. I think James Daniels has been primarily left guard his time in Chicago. I know he's young. I just haven't seen him at right guard, and I don't. Again, I don't really think it's that big of a difference. But it does matter with how your stance is, your first step off of the line, because you're on the opposite side. And so, I don't. I feel like with white hair and his experience and being a little bit more savvy, I think he brings you the the highest floor if you do want to put them at guard uh, and keep Daniels over at left guard. But I think play strength, Nick, I think if we look at every single offensive lineman, that's going to be a note that we want to see improvement across the board. Even Whitehair, who is probably the one that plays with it the most. And I think what's exciting about James Daniels specifically is he's so young. He's only going to be 24 this season, I believe, uh, which is really around the age where a lot of people get drafted. Uh, the Bears were lucky to draft him at the young age that they did. And I do believe with another year to have that strength, that foundation, he's going to learn how to tap into it a little bit. Sometimes even if you build it, sometimes you don't know your own strength and it just takes time to really get used to it and play with it. Uh, that's why it's the difference of like, you know, practice speed and play speed. And I think he just needs that experience Unfortunately, he couldn't put together a full season to really tap into that. But with another offseason. What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? 
for Cenex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Cenex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Cenex. Powered locally. I'm not worried about James Daniels per se, um, but I do think obviously his development got delayed a little bit more with how much time he did have to miss a year ago. Anything else at guard? I know Alex Bars could be thrown in here too, but I feel like he's up for contract and he's part of our passer play later. Um, but if he's back here in Chicago, I don't think you anoint him a starter and he needs to. I don't even know if you plan on the white hair Daniel shows. He's probably not in the mix. Yeah, he probably isn't. And, you know, Jermaine Effetti was playing right guard to start off the season. So it's like there were so many guys that were in and out of that lineup. But, yeah, for Alex Bars, it's like he, that swing tackle position that, you know, you usually have on your roster, someone that can come in there and just be that extra lineman in those big packages. Alex Bars could potentially be that guy. But, obviously, we saw him play some right guard at the end of the season. I think he was actually playing right tackle at one point. They had to move him in. Like, whenever the game where Bobby Massey went down early and then everything got jumbled up in the sec- the first game against Green Bay, it was a completely new offensive line where everybody was at. But, yeah, I kind of envision him being that backup role, and, that's, and we'll obviously get to that later on in the show. All right, let's go ahead and look at tackle. Bobby Massey missed half the year due to a knee injury. He's turning 32 this August. He has a cap hit of $9.3 million this upcoming season, which is ninth most on the entire team. Charles Leno Jr., he played every game, but he also had his fair share of struggles. And I think it's evident, Nick, to say that Charles Leno Jr., he's plateaued. We had a few years where he had that steady progression, uh, every year getting better than the previous one, but he's either plateaued or honestly regressed over the past two seasons. Uh, he does have a larger cap hit in 2021 of $11.24 million, which is sixth highest on the team. Jermaine Effetti, he played well when he was shifted a right tackle, but his contract's up, and we'll get to that soon as well. I feel like this is a position that has a couple of bad deals in place and really is in need of an overhaul. Is there any salvaging that can be done here at this position? Yeah, that's a really good question, Will. And seeing how both these tackles regressed and seeing the money kind of associated with them it doesn't it doesn't give a lot of bears fans encouragement but i will say this there's i've seen a lot of maybe these rumors speculation or national media guys saying just get two two new tackles it's like you you just can't do that you just don't find tackles and say oh now we upgraded both positions you have to pick and choose your battles here and for me personally i know that charles leno regressed and maybe has hit his his plateau in terms of what he could be as a player but I think you keep Charles Leno Jr. there at the left tackle. It's Bobby Massey that you're kind of looking at to see what you can potentially do. And obviously Jermaine Effetti played that right tackle position, something that he was familiar with in Seattle, and pretty did did a pretty good job at it. And Bobby Massey, I think he's just he just lost a step. So, but I think that's going to be a position where the Bears go into this draft like best player available, whether it's left or right. We're going to look to take a guy there because you can definitely upgrade the position, especially for the money you're paying them and the performance that you're getting on the field every Sunday. It's just not adding up to what the Bears are expecting or what fans are really expecting. So even though Leno Jr.'s cap hit is a little bit higher, and I agree that between the two, Leno Jr. is the better player. He's the better tackle. You're still okay with 
having that on this roster this year, I don't really know how the Bears can really retool this thing quickly to make 2021 you know, a, a year where they make a serious run. So if you're just having to eat some money to have a serviceable, which that's what Leno Jr. is, left tackle, it's not really the end-of-the-world situation. And even though he's sixth highest on the team in terms of cap hit, when you look at just left tackles in general at the contracts, he's still in the middle of the pack, which is probably fair uh, for the most part at this point. It's not like he's getting paid like a top 10, top 5 guy at the position. Then the Bears, even if they want to find a replacement free agency, you're probably paying a little bit more, and I don't know how much return on investment you can even get you know, from that, uh, if, from a level of play from the, from the guy that you would perhaps pick up in free agency. Yeah, and look, this is a guy that was a seventh-round draft pick. He's definitely exceeded expectations early on, and now now you're seeing the draft pick kind of play out there. This is who Charles Leno Jr. is, but yeah, I think that's what the Bears' strategy will be. Like They will you know, pay him $11 million to be that starting left tackle and look to upgrade the other side. I think in terms of where Bobby Massey's at in his career, obviously being older and Leno Jr., maybe he can go back to that closer to that version of 2018. And even if it's just a little bit closer, further away from 2020, the bears will take that. He is like you said, well serviceable. I think he gets a lot, a bad rep from a lot of fans that he's worse than what he actually is. And he didn't play very well last season, but he's not that bad. Is there anything that he can improve on that you believe can get him back closer to that 2018 level? Heck even the 2017 level wouldn't be all too bad. I'm, I feel like we know he has more potential than what we've seen the past two seasons, and that's probably what gets under fan skin the most. Is there, again, I, I asked about the whole position as a whole. Is it salvageable? What about Charles Leno Jr.? Is he salvageable? Can they find something in him to at least get him back closer to the higher level of play that we did see in the past? It's going to be what, um, the, obviously, the coaching staff thinks that he is capable of doing. I think where he got in trouble and where you see a lot of tackles in the league in troubles, their hand placement. I thought there was just a lot of times last season where if Charles Leno or really any offensive lineman is missing with that initial strike, well, that edge rusher is going around you and your quarterback's ending up on the ground. But I just thought consistently he just didn't have the placement or even the power with that hand strike to kind of stall a pass rusher's rush. And when you have that happen, you're backing up, and then you are you lose a leverage battle. A lot of things, a lot of bad things can happen when you miss that initial strike. So I, maybe that's one area of his game. If he can improve that, hey, that's maybe an extra millisecond or whatever it may be for the quarterback to get the ball out. And instead of being a sack or you know an incomplete pass, it could be a completion. So that's maybe one area that I think Charles Leno Jr. can improve on in 2021. And again, if you do hit an initial strike, you're the one in, in charge of that whole sequence, which does change the game instead of try to play catch-up. And in the NFL, there's not a lot of margin of error uh, when you're playing up front against some of these edge rushers around the league. Uh, just looking at the offensive line in general, Nick, do you have a high-level just area improvement need? Uh, for me, I just have one word in my notes, consistency. Uh, it, from the guys up front, you know, if we can find a way to start the same five, Week one, week 16, which I know is rare and injuries are going to happen, but they can't have that same sort of just, you know, inflex situation, three or four different orderings of the offensive line within the same amount of weeks. Uh, if they go through that again, it doesn't matter what moves they make this offseason. We're going to see relatively the same results. Uh, so for me, I'm just hoping for consistency in terms of who is out there on each and every Sunday. I think the one area for me, Will, and I don't know if 
the the unit that's currently there can do anything about it but they just need to ha play with an edge well we talked about play strength with you, you could say for every one of these linemen that is an issue but where's where's the the nastiness from this group like that's what you want to see from your offensive line especially when you guy when you have a running back like david montgomery and how he plays you would think your offensive line is supposed to be pumped up and wanting to make that extra block seeing that david montgomery's putting that extra effort out there but that's what I want to see collectively as a unit. Just play with a little bit more aggression. You're in the trenches, as Brandon would always say. So that's what I want to see come out there every Sunday. Just be able to be the aggressor and not just be the one being pushed back and you know getting David Montgomery lit up behind the line of scrimmage. So that's something that I think that starts with the coaching to try and instill that into the players. But we've we've seen this road, we've seen this show one too many times where it, it seems like that's a consistent a vulnerability with with this group so they just i don't know if it's in them that's the thing yeah that's a that's a damning statement really uh to say the least uh because that is a, fire, a unit where you do need some fire some passion well it's football you want to see that uh, every guy in your roster really uh but nick real quickly when you look at the offensive line what's your current confidence level scale one to ten the entire offensive line uh so you have to take everything into consideration here as it stands today yeah, as it stands today, well, I'm at a five with, with this group. I think there is some question marks. We talked about the tackle positions. Who is actually going to play center, even right guard when, you know, whether it's James Daniels, Cody Whitehair. But we saw we saw this team, I think, week 12 to week 17, you know, do some really good things in the ground game. But before that, when Nick Foles was quarterback, you didn't see the, the level of consistency with the rushing attack. You saw guys get hit, whoever, regardless of who was that quarterback. So it was just really inconsistent. And I think that's, you know, you're at a five for that, for my confidence level. I can't tell you that they're going to be a good group as it stands. We need to see what the Bears can do to maybe upgrade some positions. But I'm at a five. We'll have to wait and see. Okay, I'm at a four. Uh, there's only two out of the five positions I feel comfortable in, and we don't even know where they'll, where they'll play, as we talked about. And it's, I just know two of the five guys that I like. That's James Daniels and that's Cody Whitehair. Uh, everything else, um, not really gung-ho about. Uh, so when I do my math, uh, two-fifths, that's like 40%, so four out of ten. Uh, real simple. To me, it's more of a math exercise than a gut feeling exercise here which i'll take it at this stage of the game but nick we need to move on to our next position and let's go ahead and talk about the chicago bears situation at running back and i want to begin this discussion with david montgomery he finished fifth in the nfl in rushing yards fourth in the nfl in receiving yards at the position these are really strong marks to achieve for a player who was only in his second year in the league he was able to achieve all this despite uh, a couple of injuries, missing a game, that weak offensive line that just had a horrendous, horrendous stretch where they couldn't get any push whatsoever. And really, when I just look back and think about it, I believe there's just more potential for Montgomery to continue just taking steps forward in 2021. So we talked about the offensive line. We know what they need to do. Looking at David Montgomery specifically, what can he do to just prime himself for a more impactful season? Which is, again, top five in both those categories is tremendous, but there still, I think, is more potential to be unlocked here. Yeah, I think the big thing for David Montgomery, it's going to be relying on the offensive line, is just getting a good feel for what those guys are doing, especially when they're doing their outside zone, inside zone run schemes, is because what the running back needs to do is be able to find those cutback lanes. So he just needs to know how these linemen are actually playing it because honestly, Will, I really liked how David Montgomery was playing and that was when he wasn't really picking up yards. And I honestly thought that was more of, 
an indictment on the offensive line than really David Montgomery because there's really nothing he can do. Um, so I liked what he was able to do, even in terms of breakaway speed. We saw an 80-yard touchdown against Houston. We saw the big run, the first play of scrimmage against Green Bay. It's where he's getting extra yards because he's, he's showing a little bit of that speed where that's not what he's known for. and He's not he's definitely not the fastest running back, but we saw that and his ability to catch out of the backfield. So like you said, in year two of his career, we saw David Montgomery starting to become the back that I think a lot of people were envisioning him to be. But I think the biggest thing, just knowing when you need to cut back when your offensive line is potentially making holes. I thought there was, look, there's going to be times where every running back is going to make maybe the wrong or go into the wrong hole or cut it back a little earlier or not trust the offensive line. That may be the thing, Will. Just trusting as long as you can what that offensive line is potentially doing. And I know that was easier, easier said than done with how that group played in the beginning, the offensive line. But that's going to be the big thing. Whoever's up front, you gotta, you gotta trust that they know what they're doing. Hopefully, they do, and then you could see what you could potentially do in terms of yardage and you know production on on the ground and obviously in the passing game. But that's gonna be the thing for David Montgomery. Just another year understanding what he's supposed to do. If he does that, he'll be just fine. And now, I mean, we'll move on to Tariq Cohen, which of course he went down real early in the year uh, with that injury, and he had to miss the you know remainder of the season. He's going to miss a decent chunk of OTAs here, and he's going to come back. I do believe, I don't remember which episode I said this on, um, but one of the silver linings, and I hate to use that term though, with Cohen missing all that time, was I think David Montgomery having to assume a larger role, which really did allow him to evolve his game and really show what he can do as a receiver because he was, at least a year ago, perceived more as that running back. Cohen's your receiver of the backfield, but now Montgomery's kind of evolved that extra dimension which I think can have a long-term impact for his entire career here in Chicago. Um, but with Tariq Cohen specifically, uh, you know, without him, the Bears lost a lot of speed on offense. They lost a lot of explosiveness. They lost that wild-card chess piece that opponents had to account for each and every time that he was on the field. So Tariq Cohen, obviously, like I mentioned, he's going to miss some time this offseason. But, Nick, do you believe that the Bears can – count on him to come back and be the same player that he was. Uh, obviously, they did give him a brand new contract before last season even started, so he has to live up to that as well. Um, I know it was this time last year where we did think he was a little overrated in terms of how much he was utilized. And so curious of can Cohen return to be the same player that he was or better? It's hard to put a, you know that step in front of him right now. And what can the Bears do in your eyes to perhaps find a good balance between him and in Montgomery I think the big thing to answer your first question I think he's definitely capable of being the player that he once was I think just with sports medicine what they're able to do you can see that same production as an athlete even despite a big significant injury like he suffered but I think what the Bears maybe this is what they're envisioning for the 2020 season but having both those guys in the backfield at the same time but and obviously they didn't get to do that after week three of that Falcons game because of the injury. So mm -hmm. if you have both of those guys, that I think you're more likely as a defense to not know who's actually going to get the ball. When it's Cordell Patterson in there, it's like, well, yeah, he's... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. 
Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Just a big glorified wide receiver who also now is a running back. But with Tariq Cohen, he, he does have the potential to get a handout. He is a running back first, wide receiver second. And obviously that's what David Montgomery running back and could do a lot of the things. So the versatility is what is really enticing for for me when I look at but 2021 in this offense. Seeing how David Montgomery uh, just was able to flourish despite a bad offensive line. So give me a Tariq Cohen who hopefully will be backed up to speed from the injury and has that same bounce, that same explosiveness off the edge. And then you have David Montgomery, just even in the shotgun, despite who the quarterback is, you're going to go with an RPO to David Montgomery and then maybe a quick pass out to the flat to Tariq Cohen. It's like those are the dynamics that this offense can have and what's going to keep the defense, I think, guessing. The Bears just didn't have that last year after Tariq Cohen went down. They sure didn't, and I think that really did put some stress on the depth of this position overall, which, shame on Ryan Pace. Uh, I, all last offseason, Nick, you know what train I was riding, and that's the Bears need to find another guy who could be a true running back in this offense, and you mentioned it. Patterson is a, a wide receiver running back combo. Tree Cohen's a running back wide receiver combo. Ryan All is Ryan All. I don't know who else on this roster. Artavis Pierce, I loved him, and I still do as a undrafted free agent a year ago, but I don't know if you can even have him be like a three-down supplement. If Montgomery has to miss a week, I think we saw the impact that that can have. It, did, it was not pretty when he had to miss that game. The Bears had no rushing attack whatsoever, and I just kind of want to throw my remaining talking points all together here because when I look at the tail end of this position, I mean, Patterson, his contract's set to expire. So is Ryan Nulls. So right now you have Artavis Pierce, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery. When we were at the Combine a year ago, I was looking at running backs. When we were in the draft, I was looking at running backs. They picked one up after the fact. Didn't bring a single one in. Two off seasons ago, you tried to double dip uh, as well with Mike Davis. You let him go. Look what he did in Carolina last season. I just still believe there is a need for another running back, running back. Uh, it's weird to say running back, running back, but I think fans know what I mean here on this team because, and here's what I'm going to throw my last point at you, because my high-level area of improvement, the Bears need more contribution from an RB2 and RB3. I told you, Nick, David Montgomery was fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. Fifth. The Bears as a team, fifth least productive rushing team in the entire NFL. It just proves what other teams in this league are able to do with not just their number one back. They're able to get production from the entire depth chart. And it's just what the Bears need to find a way to do. And Tree Cohen's return should help. And maybe if Patterson comes back, that's fine. But that's really not the answer. And if we go through the season again with Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy believing that is the answer or that is our best foot forward, that's a huge mistake in my book. Absolutely. I think what the Bears really need is that power back. Someone that you can actually give the ball to if David Montgomery gets injured. Like, look, the, the one game David Montgomery didn't play against Minnesota, the Bears offense had 149 total yards and no offensive touchdowns. You saw what could, well, the Bears offense was bad for a majority of that, that time frame, but it, you could see what happens when you don't have a true running back. Like, just, just throwing a name out there, Gus Edwards would be, I think, a really good pickup for this Bears team. 3.5 average annual salary, according to SpotTrack.com. Just putting that name out there, but three three down back potentially can carry the rock if, you know, David Montgomery is not in the series. Like, you don't want 
you don't want Tariq Cohen being that guy, even for like an entire series, just being the, the, the running back. You would like to have somebody who is a traditional running back. Artevis Pierce is an interesting name. We'll have to see how he develops um, on this Bears coaching staff. He's still a smaller body, though. He is. He is, and that's the thing. And Bears developing players. Like, come on. I, I should have known that That's another one. big concern, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but, like, a guy like Gus Edwards from Baltimore who's going to be a free agent is an enticing guy to me. But, yes, I think that is the biggest thing that I think about with these Bears running backs. If Montgomery were to go down – you are not in a position to have good productivity. You just gave the stats, Will. If he goes down, it's not a good situation for the Bears. And what, they're going to rely on their passing attack to, to keep him in games? That You can't have that. So you need to have somebody that you can potentially rely on just in case. Again, I, you know the production, how much it dipped when it was just Patterson back there. I think it's got too obvious. And even if... You know, they hand the ball off to him between the tackles. He still runs too tall, and it's just not natural for him, which is interesting considering the the workload he's had as a running back in his career. And then Tariq Cohen early on last season, he did have some work between the tackles and did get good production. But, Nick, I don't know if your memory serves you like mine, but that was more on the offensive line opening up holes and Cohen kind of running right through them, not Cohen – you know, working through contact, you know, going through the A gap or going through the B gap. And that's really where if Montgomery has to, you know, take a breather or if he has to miss time, I, there's no one on this roster that I would trust to carry that load. And the game that you mentioned is perfect evidence that even the Bears themselves last year did not believe they had that guy in the roster as well. Yeah, and unless, I mean, look, we saw Ryan Nall get some, what what was, I blanking on the game where it was a third down play. The garbage time game? I don't know. I think it, it meant I, – I wonder if it was Green Bay or whatever it was. I just know that Ryan Nall being in the game on a significant down, that does not make sense. And they had, I think, David, you know, guys in there. But. Oh, that play. Yeah, that game. I can't remember. It's it's on the tip of my tongue or on the front of my head, but it was, I was so pissed off that we had – it was meaningful touches in a meaningful moment in the game and like let's just try to give it to ryan no i wonder if it was green bay uh, like i don't know it probably why was probably was but see like that that can't happen that can't be your best option doesn't matter what and i know like maybe ryan now's obviously stuck through it every single time we do one of these shows and but he's not the guy i'm sorry just gonna you know leave it at that what's your confidence level at running back Ooh, well, I, I have it up here, and oh, wow, that's a that's a pretty high number for me. I'm going to drop it down a little bit. So I had initially a 7.5, but it's it's going to be a 6.5 after this discussion okay. here. And the, the, the reason is they don't have that power back. They don't have someone that you can rely on. But I love David Montgomery. We, we were talking him up. And the one area that, because we were talking about what he needs to improve on, Pass blocking. He does need to improve on that. That's something yep. where uh, you see some vulnerability in his game, but he'll get better at that. But I'm at a 6.5 with these running backs. I, I think Tariq Cohn will come back to full form. We'll have to see how they actually utilize him. We only got th- not even three games with Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery last year, but he was overused in the years past. So we'll have to see how they do that, but they just they need to add somebody else for me to have more confidence in this unit. Yeah, the big thing with Cohen, we didn't last season we don't have anything to really draw at, so you have to look back to 2019. He just didn't have a lot of yards per touch. He had a decent amount of yards, but his touches were just through the roof, and he just you weren't getting a lot of bang for your buck. And the Bears need to find a way to unlock that. And I believe they're going to get there if he was healthy last season, at least how things kind of shifted. 
And then for me, I'm at a six for the position. Uh, I'm glad. I guess I'm a dose of reality for you because uh, you kind of worked your way down. I'll stick with the six that I have here in my notes. And it's interesting, Nick, because I think at this time a year ago, it was me who was really gung-ho and really wanted that power back in this roster. And now it's a year later, and, and now it's you singing that song, and I'm right here with you. Look, they haven't addressed it. We know what we're talking about, Will. The Bears listen to us. I mean, I think they'd be in a better position just saying, but that's that's something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, we, we talked about a bunch of positions that need to be addressed, and there's still the same issues on this, this team, Will. So they just need to listen to every once in a while. Once in a while. Speaking of positions that need to be addressed, let's talk about the last one that we have slated here for today in this episode, and that's going to be quarterback and I don't even know where to start honestly like I have barely any notes because we don't even know what's going to be happening here whatsoever we all know that the writing is on the wall for Mitch and that leaves Nick Foles really as the only quarterback that is currently set to be under contract next season and I'll begin I guess it's by asking a question is there anything left that we need to even discuss with Mitch I mean you see the reports that he doesn't want to come back to Chicago and I don't really see any way that Pace and Nagy can even convince ownership in the fan base for any reason to bring him back, even on a tag. So is there any reason whatsoever to even discuss Mitch at this point? You know what? With, with Mitch Trubisky, I think his time is done in Chicago. And is there anything left to see? No. We, we've seen it all, you guys. Uh, and don't don't play into what you saw towards the end of the season because the last two games are who Mitch Trubisky really is when he plays tougher competition. You saw in Green Bay that RPO, rollout, simplified read stuff, it doesn't work. When you see the Saints, and look, Javon Williams should have caught the touchdown pass. I know that, but outside the game, it just, you need you need somebody that can do more at the quarterback position. So I don't think, and there's going to be Trubisky truthers, and you know what, you go, go ahead and do that, but the Bears need to upgrade. They're gonna be. I think they're gonna be aggressive. And I'm glad they didn't go all in and give everything for for Carson Wentz. He's now with the Indianapolis Colts. But I'm glad the Bears didn't make that decision. But I don't think there's anything left. Well, we've seen who Mitch Trubisky is. More than he's a. I think he could be a really good backup, and maybe a change of scenery will be good for him. But his time here in Chicago, I believe, is over. Yeah, and again, that's why I don't want to take too much time just, you know, ripping into Mitch what we saw last season, the good, the bad, the ugly, because I don't think it really matters. We're looking forward, and when we're looking at the state of the franchise, the state of the Chicago Bears, and really the current state of the quarterback position, the only certainty that we have, which isn't 100% certainty, but the only certainty we have is there's going to be change. That's the number one thing we know. And on top of that, Nick Foles is here uh, for the foreseeable future, whether it be... Uh, maybe if the Bears do make a big splash and he's part of the trade, okay, uh, that's something. But that's really their only exit strategy from Nick Foles at that point. And right now, the most likely path is the chance of Nick Foles actually being your starting quarterback week one with a rookie waiting kind of in the wings. Uh, and I don't know if that's best case scenario. It really depends on, and Nick, this is probably an entire episode discussion of what the Bears can and should do at this quarterback position. But when you're looking at it right now, and I would say the briefest way possible, because again, I know we can have a whole episode about this. What do you want to see the Bears do at quarterback here in 2021? Whether it's a big home run swing, whether it's punting until next offseason because you don't believe that this upcoming year is really a make or break type of season. 
what do you want to see happen versus what do you expect to happen? I want to see Deshaun Watson in a Bears uniform. What I expect is <laughs> yeah. a lot different. And look, what I also don't want to see, I don't want to see the Bears go out and get Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't want to see them go that route where they're going for these middle-to-level quarterbacks. Another guy that's been, his name's been flowing around there, Sam Darnold. I'm not a fan of that. Lewis Riddick was asked on ESPN 1000, would you rather the Bears go and pursue Sam Darnold or draft somebody, a young quarterback? And he said, I'm all for drafting a quarterback. And the guy that I, what I want to see, or I'd be kind of excited to see, they drafted Mac Jones. If it fell to where the Bears didn't have to move up, they don't. They stay at 20. Mac Jones is there. You do have Nick Foles. You could do the whole Brian Flores Miami situation where it was Ryan Fitzpatrick for a little bit, then Tua came in in relief to kind of save them. And you know, maybe that's what. Maybe you could do that with the quarterback position where you have somebody mentor Nick Foles, a great mentor. We all know that it didn't really help Trubisky, but he's a great mentor, right? And then you get the young guy in Mac Jones, who's the most, I think, quarter NFL ready of maybe the first round draft pick quarterbacks. I know that's maybe saying something with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, but he's played at Alabama. He knows what to do. That would be to me exciting. Uh, again, it's another young quarterback, limited starts, just like Trubisky. He only had this past season. But you saw the production. Look, I say that now. I'm trying to doubt myself, but I liked what I saw, and maybe just me being at the Senior Bowl too, kind of seeing him in person a little bit. I'm on the Mac Jones train. If the Bears decide, hey, we're gonna draft him at 20, that's exciting. I, I think that would be a a scenario where you don't have to give up picks because this would be the what? It's been a while since we've seen a first round draft pick, and I think this would be nice to get Mac Jones or whoever. But I, I would I would like the Mac Jones uh, trade scenario there. So that's your, if you can choose, like if you're playing Madden and you can force everything that you were doing for the off season, you would just, instead of forcing a trade with someone else, you just say, you know, give me Mac Jones in the draft and let's see what happens. That's what I did in my uh, mock draft on the, who I forgot what, what website I used, but I just drafted Mac Jones. I, got, I think I got a pretty good grade for that too. Just saying, but yeah, I just drafted <laughs> Mac Jones at 20. You know, the fact that they, you know, him and Mitch are the same number, uh, the one-year experience. I think what can make your argument, though, if you want to try to combat those two similarities, the level of competition that they did face in the college level. Uh, you're not in the ACC or in the SDC if you're Mac Jones. Uh, but I, I do, you, know, you mentioned that, and it put a little pit in my stomach because like, I don't want to make the same mistake twice. And the accuracy, you see the accuracy, and that's what Mitch was known for as well coming out of North Carolina. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I get a little nervous just thinking about it, but nervous isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, as well. But I don't know. I don't have, to me, a best-case scenario. It's a really tough situation, a tough year for the Bears. But I think every year, unless you're holding that number one pick or you have a million you – know, how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I was going to say a million dollars. If you have a hundred million dollars in cap space, you can get any quarterback that your heart desired. It's tough for every franchise. And that's what makes franchise quarterback special. That's what makes them coveted. And unfortunately, 
the Bears just don't know how to find those uh, really at all. So I don't know if I have a best case scenario because I I do have my own uh, confliction about selling the future for now and the risk reward of that, plus the draft and how it could shake out. So I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, that, I would be, I think that would make for, like you said, a fun offseason, a uh, fun way to kind of look into the future of this team yet again. And maybe that would invigorate the fan base a bit, depending on who you talk to. Um, but regardless, Nick, this position, there's so much to improve on uh, from a personnel standpoint, from a production standpoint. Uh, I think we can go all the way up to even coaching, uh, to say the least here. But what about you? Is there any high-level area of improvement? Because for this one, I just put everything. Yeah, it really is everything. But I'm not – look, I'm not asking for, like, the next quarterback to be, a, you know, in the top 10 or even the top 15. Just whatever – whoever's a quarterback – in Chicago in 2021, the starting quarterback, someone who is not going to overthrow Darnell Mooney when he's streaking down the sideline wide open, wide open after being the corner, someone who isn't going to continuously mess up RPOs like we've seen Mitch Trubisky do, someone who could who could play quarterback. Like that's all we're asking for, Will. Like we've been asking for that for decades, Bears fans, but and that is a lot to ask for. I, I do realize that because the Bears have not gotten that right. So it, there's a lot that needs to be improved on. And I know we kind of have this in our notes too. Like if you're Ryan Pace, how would you like reevaluate or, you know, what would you do in this position? I, you just have to go back and reevaluate whatever you did in 2017 to get to where you got Mitch or how you got Mike Glennon or how you even got Nick Foles. Do the opposite of that. Don't do, don't take that approach. Cause that's, that's why we're still in this place in the first place. So you got to reevaluate how you look at this position and just do it completely the opposite way. Cause you haven't gotten it right since he got here in 2015. I know you don't watch Seinfeld and I believe it's been a few years since I even used this reference in the show, but Ryan Pace needs to pull a George Costanza and just do the opposite of whatever his instinct tells him to do. He does the complete opposite when it comes to this position and we'll probably have a hall of fame quarterback. Let's do it. I'm, I'm that's so it. for it. But you said you don't you don't you don't need the guy to be a top ten. If the Bears draft a quarterback, he doesn't need to be a top ten in the NFL this year. But by golly, I hope he can develop into a consistent top ten kind of guy. If they get a stop, uh, another bridge kind of quarterback, which to me wouldn't make any sense if you already have Nick Foles on the roster, then you just have two bridges to nowhere. Uh, <laughs> again, wouldn't make any sense in my book. Um, but if that's the case, then. I think the Bears are just really doing themselves a disservice, to say the least. Um, but if you're going to pay a pretty penny for a veteran, top 15 better be the bar that you set, uh, at least, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, again, it's just a tough situation all the way around for this position. Uh, confidence level, real quick, I'm at a 1. Uh, okay, I went I went with a 2. So I was 1. That's one double mine. It. Yeah, it is. So it's a huge jump there, Will. But, yeah, no one should be confident in this position because – Who's playing quarterback? Like, if we're we are asking that question, I know it's only February. I understand that, but who's playing quarterback right now? You don't know, and that's that's never a good position to be in for any franchise. Yeah, you don't know, and honestly, as it's so difficult for the Bears right now to even find a correct move here, and like they have to play some like three D chess, and not just twenty twenty one, but whatever you do now, I would hope it's best for the Bears. 2022, 2023, and you know, so on. And even if it does mean punting for a year, taking a chance on a kid later in the draft, say the first round doesn't work out right, 
And then if, you know, then you look at the next draft class or how the free agency works out uh, and around the league, I, I would hate to sell the future, give up all these picks for you know, someone, unless it's Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 can do I mean, that's the one move that it doesn't matter what the price is. You do it. But the only the one last thing, because quarterbacks, like you said, could be a whole entire show. But my fear is that whoever, because the bears will get a quarterback. Don't know if it's going to be a free agent. Don't know if they're going to draft a rookie, but or both, or it could be both, whatever they do. And let's say they do have to give up an extensive amount of resources to get whoever this player is. And that player does not pan out. And Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are then gone the next season. Whoever that next person is who has to take over, man, you're in such a bad situation. You have the quarterbacks you don't want. You don't have the resources to recalibrate and just kind of recollect yourself at that position and other holes on the roster. So that's why they're desperate in a time where I think it's dangerous to be desperate in this offseason because you can make that wrong move. And I think they avoided a big one in not going all in in Carson Wentz, which is great. Good. The Bears are making – that's the one right step in, in implying to correct the quarterback position. But that's what kind of scares me, what they might give up to get a guy, and that's not the right guy. Mm-hmm. The whole Trubisky situation all over again. I mean, that's what we talked about, I think, after the presser, uh, where we got real worried because, like, oh, we're going to get, you know, every resource possible to go get our guy. And we all know that it's not just Pace, it's not just Nagy who are on the hot seats. You're looking at, you know, Phillips, you're looking at McCaskey as well. Like, all four of them, they're in, you know, they're dangling over a pot of boiling water right now. So they're going to do whatever they can to hopefully hit a home run. And if they swing and they miss, whoever takes over, they're in a real bad – it could set this franchise back years. And it could be – I don't even know if I can put into words, you know, just how disappointing, uh, you, know, demot- you know, demotivating that could even be for us uh, to have to go through another situation like that. And, whew, yeah, it, this could be a whole episode, uh, to say the least. But I'm going to hit the pause button uh, because we can definitely – uh, you never know. The Bears can make up a move here any day, and we can have a whole episode about it, or we can take some time dedicated to some options here for the Bears. That'd be another fun one for us, too. But now it's time to play one of my favorite games, which I say it every year. It's still one of my least favorite named se- segments that we do each and every year. That's right. It's time to have our first round of pass or play in 2021. This is where Nick and I, we're going to get a player. We're going to tap into our inner GM and decide if the Bears should sign him to a new deal or just let them walk in free agency. And again, today we're only focusing on running backs, offensive line, and quarterbacks. And these are players that are up for contract currently. So first on our list, Nick, are you going to pass or play on Ryan Nall? So this might be the biggest surprise. I'm I'm playing Ryan Nall because that's what I think the Bears will do. I'm not necessarily playing him because I think the Bears should have him, but I'm playing him because I think he will be on the roster next season. Okay. I put I would pass because I said I'm putting myself in the GM shoes, okay. as the segment says. And you, you prefaced it, so I know what you're trying to say, but I, I know you like to predict what would happen. And I, too, believe you know they brought in the running backs coach from Oregon State. I know that's where Nall went. I know they didn't cross paths, um, but just having all that, Artavis Pierce went there as well. I feel like they just like the products over there. And for some reason, Ryan Pace is a big fan of Ryan Nall. Uh, I still don't get it. Some fans like him, and that's okay. That's fine. Uh, but from my vantage point, I know you get him real dirt cheap. That's probably why he comes back. You know, minimum, minimum contract. 
no guarantees is, hey, come on back. Come to training camp. Okay. Come on to practice squad. We'll elevate you a few times a year. Sweet. Probably it's going to happen. Um, but if it was me, I, I want new, fresh blood at that position. Uh, so I'd pass and see what else I can find. Uh, up next, Alex Bars. Pass or play? I am playing Alex Bars. And just to clarify for the rest of the segment, I will take the perspective from the Bears, and you are, you're the GM, but I'll take it from what the Bears are going to do, just so to clarify. Okay. But uh, I will play Alex Bars, I think. Like like we were talking about earlier, I think he's a good depth piece, and he filled in when the Bears kind of needed some players to step up on the offensive line, and he was part of that group that had some some consecutive 100-yard rushing days for David Montgomery. He was a part of that, so I'm playing Alex Bars. I'm playing bars as well. He won't be expensive one bit, and he did well. Again, even if he doesn't start, you have a guy who's solid depth at center, guard. He can play tackle in a pinch. I think that's very valuable in his own right, and I did like what we saw from him down the stretch. Uh, I do believe with the strength of the Bears being that interior, he's not going to be a starter, which is really okay. He's a real serviceable backup and someone that I believe the Bears are high on as well. All right, Nick, another offensive lineman for you, Jason Spriggs. I'm playing Jason Spriggs too. Um, I think that's another depth piece. We saw how many guys went down, including Jason Spriggs, but I think that you need to have offensive linemen because you can't have a scenario like you did last year and not have guys. And look, Jason Spriggs, he's a veteran. He, he knows exactly what to do, what his role is. He could be that swing tackle as well. So I like him for depth, and I think I think the Bears will play him next year. Okay, I have pass, and I actually started with play, um, but I did watch his a uh, few of his reps from last season. Only 70. He did get hurt. That's another reason why I'm passing, because injuries have always kind of followed him throughout his career. Uh, and to me, this is sad, because he went to IU, and I'm wearing my Indiana shirt right now. And, you know, I like to you – know, guys that went to my alma mater, just like you and James Daniels, you lucky son of a gun, uh, I, I would love to have them on the team. Um, but, you know, 70 total snaps last year. He allowed two sacks, and he just did not look good. And I know he was coming off an injury, came in cold. That happened. But I feel like he's a dime a dozen, maybe a dozen of a dozen kind of guy in this league. And the Bears maybe want to find a guy that doesn't have such a riddled history of injuries. So I would pass if it was me. Uh, but, uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him because he should be another minimum contract. He's been around the league. He has experience. Uh, but for me, I personally would pass. Speaking of which, number four, Rashad Coward. All right, it's time to it's time to pass on Rashad Coward. I I think we've seen enough. And look, valiant effort for making the position yep, switch and playing a bunch of different positions on the offensive line. But it's time to see if you can just sign somebody off the streets for a very minimal contract. What you saw, Jason Spriggs kind of sign for something like that. But I am passing, and I think the Bears will on Rashad Coward. Same, and I did put in my notes. I wanted to say, you know, no disrespect, but the time has come for Rashad Coward. I loved watching, I mean, going back to training camp years ago. Oh, my gosh, here's this guy who switched from nose tackle. He's playing right tackle. Let's see what happens. And, again, it was kind of cool to watch that in person unfold for his first training camp each and every day of practice. Um, but I think we know that I, he doesn't have that in him. He's not going to develop into a starter in this league, uh, at least one that you can count on. Uh, so I would would hope the Bears can call this a failed experiment. Good try, but it's time to look elsewhere. 
And, you know, you can look over and, you know, Eddie Goldman took a year off. Maybe they've been sending him the <laughs> offensive playbook in time, too, and they can try again. Kidding. Uh, we need him at nose. Uh, we'll talk about him in a few weeks. But Richard Coward, I am passing. All right. A lot of offensive linemen here. Jermaine Effetti. What are you going to do, Nick? Yeah, I'm playing Jermaine Effetti. He signed for, a, what, it was a one-year, just a little over a million dollars this past season. He played right guard, played right tackle, and Look, if the Bears said we're going to cut Bobby Massey and, you know, have just um, Jermaine Effetti be the guy, look, you could definitely look to upgrade it, but it wouldn't be the worst thing, especially if it was a favorable contract, which it would be. I'd be okay with that, but I think the Bears will play Jermaine Effetti. They liked what they saw from the former first-round draft pick. Versatile. They'll play him. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you here. I would play Effetti. Uh, another, I, did you use the word serviceable any in your uh, preamble there? Because I felt like I was going to. It's the first word I heard. Uh, versatile. I think versatile and serviceable are the two words to describe him. Another guy, he was on the minimum contract. He's not going to afford you a lot of money. He's a, another, I would call him a high-level backup, and we know he can start. If you're looking at moving on from Bobby Massey and Charles Leno Jr., we'll talk about this in a few more minutes uh, officially, but he could. I think the only path to get rid of both of those tackles is keeping Jermaine Effetti and having him be your right tackle. Uh, that's really the only path if you want to do that. And if the Bears do let Massey go and they don't know how the draft's going to fall, because you don't, having Effetti around is going to help you have a backup plan in place uh, and someone that can start over a rookie to kind of have that rookie earn that spot. Um, as well. And again, I think a lot of fans remember the bad plays from Buffetti. And with offensive linemen, you tend to only remember the bad plays. Um, but he was very, uh, very much average, which is fine, uh, at least what we're looking at 2021. Um, but the Bears do need to have a plan in place to do better than him in the future. All right, two to go. Cordero Patterson. I, for, I, I told you earlier, I forgot to put him on my notes because I was going through contracts and then uh, Spot Track had him listed as a wide receiver. And then I'm going through my notes one last time before the show, I'm like, who am I missing? And then I was like, I talk about Patterson being up for a contract, but why is he not in pass or play? But he's here. What would you do with Cordero Patterson? Because this one out of every player, I'm having the most inner back and forth on. Yeah, this one's this one's tricky, Will. He's, I think, one of the fan favorites here in Chicago. And look, that's not going to play a factor in what the Bears think of him, but he is, you know, highly liked here on the Bears and – he, it's just his role for for a two year ten million dollar contract that he signed, and he's been you know he's done a lot of great things in the return game, but on offense, like we were talking about, still as a running back, still runs a little high. He's not he's not a true running back. He's not a true wide receiver. He's a gadget. He's a he's a big. Ter- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Cohen, he really is. Big gadget player. So I think the Bears will end up passing on Cordell Patterson, I know the cap is supposed to increase. Um, 180 million is the minimum in the minimum, and it could be more than that. But maybe that plays a factor in Patterson coming back. But I think the Bears will will pass on, on Cordell Patterson, which will not make a lot of people happy. I'm I'm I assume. Yeah, I mean, I don't think 
him leaving would make me happy. I don't think Patterson staying will make me joyous uh, by any means. It's really interesting. For me, I would play him if he comes on a team-friendly deal. Uh, So you're looking at probably what he signed for previously, maybe even a little bit less, take a slight pay cut uh, at this stage of his career. Uh, He's really well-liked in the locker room. He's a big fan of favorite. He will keep that kick return game uh, to a high level, Uh, one of the best in the NFL to do it, although I think that's still an element of the NFL that's getting phased out uh, is the kick return game. So, again, I think the value of that does diminish with each and every year. Uh, But I just – if they keep him, they can't make the mistake of having him be the third back and the only option for the third back. So that would be my only hesitation uh, as well. And heck, I mean, he's still a bargain for uh, an unofficial GM, right? Like, if, you know, some guy that can go out there and recruit on social media. I mean, what a bargain uh, to pay him, uh, you know, his salary to go ahead and do that. Although I don't think he's getting a lot of results with it, but by golly, is the effort valiant. He, yeah, he's doing a great job reaching out. He just hasn't gotten anybody to sign. So his track record's not very good. So GM Cordell Patterson, he'd do some work there. And honestly, Nick, I think he'd almost be worth every penny for just uh, however many wins the Bears can get next year for the How About Them Bears clips at the end. I, those were priceless. Those are awesome to see. I always look forward to whenever the Bears post them or, you know, when Cordell Patterson posts them on his own, you know, social media. Those are Those are always great to watch. For sure. But all right, last but not least, lucky number seven, which is interesting. You know, Sid Luckman's number uh, to put him and place him here. But Mitchell Trubisky, uh, you can put your own two cents on here if you want to. But uh, I think we all know which four-letter P word we're going to utilize here. Yeah, it's it's going to be pass well. And I, th- I think, you know, how we talked about it earlier, Matt Nagy and Trubisky, they, they had something for a little bit and – I think it's time for them to kind of part ways here. So passing on Mitchell Trubisky. Same. Uh, I was going to say hard pass. I don't want to be rude. Uh, no, <laughs> too much here on the show. But Nick, boy, how the, you know, how the, how was it on um, uh, Trailer Park Boys? How the turntables instead of how the table turns. But, uh, you know, how the turntable, I mean, just looking back at our episode when we drafted Mitch and like the excitement and the shock and the awe. And now it's. It's just a simple, just like, all right, let him go. And like, just brush it off and let's move on. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Like how quickly things can kind of change on a dime. And it's, it's sad, honestly, like it's nothing that I'm happy about. It's just realistic and it's reality uh, that he just wasn't the guy that we all hoped he could end up being. Uh, I saw the one stat that came out about uh, 78% of his throws last year came on the first read, uh, which I was like, wow. Like, uh, I feel, I mean, easy for whoever's watching his film to go ahead and note that. Like, <laughs> you don't have to even go too far into each and every play. But, yeah, it's just unfortunate that this is the case. But I, I think most everyone listening would feel the same uh, here when it comes to Mitchell. Yeah, and look, it's it wasn't all his fault. But a big part of it was like there was a lot of things that that went wrong and why this ended up the way it did. Like how we have this, you know, consistent reaction. It's pass, and that that's what it is for Mitchell Trubisky. But hopefully he has a resurgence somewhere else because I would love to see that guy have success. He's such a hard worker. You you root for him. You want to root for that kind of guy, and hopefully he can get that opportunity somewhere else. For sure. All right, real quickly, let's take a look at some players that are at high risk of uh, potentially being cut. Uh, despite currently being under contract for the 2021 season, 
Really, Nick, I, I believe we put the writing on the wall here. Uh, when you look at offensive line, when you look at running back, and when you look at the quarterback position, there aren't really that you know that many options for anyone to fit this category, um, but there are two. Bobby Massey, who would save you $8 million, and Charles Leno Jr., who you would save $9 million if you cut him after June 1st. So I think you already kind of did your own spoiler alert earlier, and out of the two, you would let Massey walk. Yes, I would let Massey walk. I think you can get younger at that position, get more productivity if you do draft a rookie, whether it's in the first or second round. However the Bears approach that, you can upgrade that position for sure. And like I said, with Leno, he did have a down year, and he, I think he's showing his true colors as to what kind of player he actually is. But I think if you're looking at the two, there's – more upside with a Charles Leno Jr. than than there is a Bobby Massey at this stage of their careers. So I would cut Massey and I would play Charles Leno Jr. Okay, that's fair. I I think that is a strong way to go about it. If I'm being myself and I'm being as authentic as I can be here at the end of this show, the more I think about it, what I would do for the long haul, I would probably let both go. Uh, You give Charles Leno Jr. an opportunity to go elsewhere uh, and that can help him throughout his career, hopefully, or you give him that one other opportunity to go out there and get a big contract. Because if he comes back in Chicago next year and then flops yet again, that's not happening. Uh, so you give you do him a service. Uh, Bobby Massey's the easy one. Just feel like it could be easily uh, persuaded. Like, well, he's 32, coming off the knee. He already took a step backwards. I mean, that's easy to kind of go through that train. Charles Leno Jr. I think is a little bit more difficult. Um, but when we went through pass and play, and I made the point, and I guess I didn't even think it through all the way yet, is that if you do bring back Jermaine Effetti, who did play a lot of right tackle in Seattle, did well at right tackle last season, you bring him back cheap, there's your Bobby Massey replacement, even if it's a one-year stopgap. So you don't need to find your two tackles. You just have to go back to the one. So then you can save that $9 million from Leno Jr. Maybe you're looking at the first round, depending if you have Mac Jones there or not, Nick. Then you look at your second round pick. And then if you have a tackle on the board, you draft it. And then you have your starting left tackle as well. And then we haven't even began to look into what free agency can look like for some serviceable kind of veterans out there as well. That could be a, uh, a fallback option or two. So I believe that the Bears could survive if they needed to go out there and find a couple of different bookends, uh, especially if they let Jermaine Effetti kind of be uh, plan B slash plan A for right tackle and then finding uh, someone else in the draft to take over that left tackle spot. That'd be one way of looking at it, Will. Look, the Bears are going to look at every single option and probably confuse themselves while doing so. But, yeah, they have a lot of positions to fill, and a lot are just on the offensive line, which is a great way to start 2021. I see someone in the chat, Red Hat Duck, which I like Red Hat Duck, and the avatar is a duck with a red hat. Uh, As you know, a big contract for Leno. Yeah, not talking about top 10 leagues still, but – Maybe somewhere in the top 20 range right now if they let him go. Some team will pay for him. It's free agency. People always overpay. Um, but if he comes back and he runs his due course in Chicago and continues to regress, then he's going to pull like a Jermaine Effetti and only pull in around a veteran minimum. So I'm not talking big bucks. I'm talking every year he's probably going to lose, put money on the table or leave money on the table if he stays in Chicago. That's all I meant by that. I want to make sure I'm clear. But Nick, any final thoughts to close out the show? No, I mean, look, we're, we're starting the State of the Franchise series. I love just kind of getting in depth with each and every position. I, I kind of like the – well, I do like the format because we suggested and we agreed on it, but splitting it up into two shows. And there's a lot to talk about with those tight ends and wide receivers as well, Will. So we'll go into depth 
on that, uh, you know, probably next week. But it's starting, and, you know, draft time is it's almost going to be here, and free agency will be here, and we'll be right back into the thick of things just talking about who the Bears are going to get to fill all these holes that we just talked about. Yep, and I do too. I like how we split it up because if we didn't, I think we we'd still be going. The discussion time (laughs) we would. It would be a very long episode, and we'd probably cut the discussion in almost half for every position. So this does allow us a little bit uh, additional opportunity to get even a little deeper into these than maybe we have in years past. Which I love bringing that value to our listeners, both here on the live stream to everyone listening around the world in the podcast. So this is really tremendous, and I'm looking forward to wrapping up the offense next week again. Tight ends, wide receivers. Allen Robinson, what's going to happen over there? Jimmy Graham, does he stay or go? I mean, those are the top two in my mind. Then you have the wild card that is Anthony Miller. So I'm excited to kind of go through some of those thought exercises with you, Nick. But I'm going to go ahead and call this an episode. I want to thank everyone who was here on the live stream. Either you're watching the replay, if you're listening to the podcast, you are really appreciated by both Nick and myself. And remember, you can help us out by using a brand new code over at manscaped.com. It is fan cited 20 please use that code if you want to go ahead and uh, help support this show i like how you're pointing to the graphic too nick that's awesome i struggled you didn't see all this going on like with my right hand but this there you go this one works that that's the one remember that for next week We'll, we'll we'll practice this one yet again so we'll be back soon again we will break down the final two positions on offense tight end and wide receiver but until then bear down chicago bear down